welcome back to the Amplified Word, brought to you by Christ Episcopal Church in Dayton, Ohio. It's a conversation and a deeper look at the lessons for the upcoming Sunday from the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney. We invite you to come along as we lift up the women of the Word. Today we're talking about the readings for the Feast of the Baptism of Our Lord. Our lessons come from Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5, Psalm 57, 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 16 through 21, and the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 17. In today's lessons we hear all about the reign of peace the peace that exists in God's realm, in God's time, and which God desires for us. We hear about a time of prosperity and justice and fullness. And in the gospel, we hear the story of Jesus, now an adult, going to John the Baptist to be baptized in the River Jordan. And as he is baptized and entered into the water, The heavens open up and a dove descends and a voice says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Amplified Word, where we spend time talking about the text, our lectionary text from Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney's A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church that we're using here at Christ Episcopal Church for this liturgical year. I'm the Reverend Peter Holmeyer, Rector here at Christ Episcopal Church. And I'm Mary Jane Clody, the Program's Assistant. We're glad you're with us. We've got a big Sunday again. You know, this time of year... I know, one right after the next! <laughs> it's the greatest hits. Uh, when we get into the <laughs> summer, we won't... Who knows what that's going to look like. But this time of year, the church really knows how to bring it at you. You know, it's like a combination of, of pieces, one right after another. And this Sunday... Our gospel text is about the baptism of our Lord. Uh, Jesus going to the, down to the Jordan. Mm-hmm. John's preaching to the, those gathered down at the Jordan. And then Jesus' entry into the water and his baptism and the coming of the Holy Spirit descending mm. upon him as a dove. This is a Sunday, with that being in place, that is a traditional Sunday in the Episcopal Church when baptisms are had. There are Mm -hmm. sort of a few of them that are sort of scattered through the church year as having a particular emphasis that fits well with uh, what's happening inside the church seasons. And this is the one that where Jesus is actually baptized. And this is where the sacrament of baptism as something we all are asked to participate in comes from. And for me, this really leads to some discussion around what are are we doing? What does baptism symbolize? What is it attempting to do? How is it changing us? Mm -hmm. How is it calling us into a richer life in God? 
And I want to get your thoughts on that in just a moment here, Mary Jane, but just to just to completely monopolize talking for just maybe another 30 seconds. That's hopefully. Fine. This is, I'm interested in, as part of Gaffney's work, going beyond the traditional piece of simply entering the church to save yourself from a life of damnation mm -hmm. as some kind of a magical ritual right. formula that somehow creates the separating of the sheep and the goats and simply by the sprinkling of water and the naming of the mm -hmm. triune God that somehow the world is changed. Right. It is instead an invitation into the space of a world that God wishes for us. And how do we see that in the text? And how do we see that in what baptism is calling us to do and be? Yeah, absolutely. It's a commitment that's made. You know, I, I think about um, in our tradition, we have the baptismal promises. Right. Right. These are things that we are committing ourselves to do. Right. There's action that is involved. There's prayer. There's work. Uh, the kingdom of God does not just appear one day. We are building it. We are doing these things um, and, and changing the world. And that's what baptism invites us into. That's what baptism commits us to. Um, it's a very powerful touchstone of sort of launching us into the work of discipleship. Not that you can't be a disciple without it, but it, it's a very powerful way of saying, we're, we're doing this. We are committed to this. Yeah, the actual ritual of initiation. I mean, that's what the service of baptism is. Mm -hmm. You want to go ahead and open your prayer book and look. I don't have one in front of me, but the service begins on around page 300. And when you get a little bit further into it, you'll see that for those who are not adults, these promises are made by the community on their behalf. And even in the case, and I might argue that we're all children before God, so it'd be good at all of us yeah, to have those promises have somebody made for, else made us, it as for well. us. Yeah. But even if we are adults, there are places where the community affirms support of the person Absolutely. into this practice. This is not, you know, this is not a world where there's a personalist relationship only with God. This is born out of coming into a community. But this leads me to one of the fundamental questions about what I believe Jesus points us towards in, in what his ministry is about and why his message is still so salient, important mm -hmm. for the world today and for all times, right? Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever and ever amen yeah. and that is that the world needs a community that doesn't look like what the world is already doing on its own yes yes the world's gotta change but we have to do it together i i think that you're what you're saying about the community making these promises like on behalf of children but as adults, we do this with and for one another. You know, I just think that is so central to this. <laughs> if we are going to bring about um, the reign of God, to use some really strong uh, patriarchal language there, uh, <laughs> we've got to work with one another and allow others 
to change us along the way. Yeah. And we've got to give up. You know, the, the oh, ritual yeah. of baptism has a very powerful, the sprinkling of water, which is about what you get in <laughs> most Episcopal churches, really does a disservice to what you would have found in the earliest church, which would have been a complete submersion and dunking, which represents dying Death. to your old self yes. and being born to a new self, which needs to be more than symbolic if it's really having traction in your life. Mm -hmm. And I just look at, when I start thinking about death, what do we need to die to as a people in this world? Mm -hmm. And the first thing that comes to my mind, and this has been true, unfortunately, from before the time of Jesus, and it's just as true in the world today, is the insistence on using violence, warfare, right, mm -hmm. and intimidation to impose our will on others. This, among so many other things, is what is so heartbreaking about what you look, need to look no further than the Ukraine right now mm -hmm. to see example 1A in the modern world yeah. of a system that's broken and is offering only domination and the voices of those who are strongest trying to impose themselves at any cost on everyone else yes but we are all raised up in a system a broken system that looks like the world and how do we become what we the one of the great titles of Jesus how do we become members of the royal family that brings peace hmm. that offers the world something that looks like understanding, that looks like safety, that looks like an open set of arms and another chance in this life to be full, to be rich, to be loved, to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. That, for me, always as my prayer, lies at the heart of what it means to be initiated into the kingdom, yeah. the kingdom yes, of God. Yes. To let go of some of these ways that the world has imposed on us, but to such an extent that we've already accepted them, understanding them as normal, and instead see other voices and other ways of thinking and being, which lies at the heart, of course, of what Daphne's asking us to do. Right. And I think that's a good place for us to take a break, because when we come back, we're gonna dive right into what Gaffney's doing. Sounds good. All right, welcome back. Before the break, Peter, we were talking about this reign of peace, this world that Jesus ushers in and that we are invited to participate in through baptism. And I mean, the, the texts for today are full of 
opportunities for peace um, and the work of peace. So I wonder if you have anywhere that you'd really like to to get started here. Well, um, I was going to ask you the same question, <laughs> I I think Isaiah's passage today is, is like the quintessential peacemaking passage, right? Right. We're invited into a God uh, or an understanding of God who is beyond what we can understand, right? Um, God will judge and decide justly and that we will take our swords and beat them into plowshares our spears into pruning hooks, that we won't fight one another. The violence that you were talking about at the beginning of this episode, that that will no longer exist. It won't even be something that we are worried about. We won't even need to keep a sword on hand just in case. Right. That violence is no more. We won't even teach war. We don't think about war. Um, I mean, this is an iconic and truly powerful passage and yet it feels very out of reach it does doesn't it and maybe that's because we are living in a time with warfare in our world but i have never lived in a time where we weren't living in warfare um and it just feels really hard to attain how do we get there it does. Both the Isaiah reading and the psalm, mm -hmm. both, as you point out, the Isaiah reading has a just iconic language about s swords being turned into plowshares, you know, something you, something you injure another person mm -hmm. being turned into an implement that's made for actual nourishment, nourishment right? yes. and, nurt and then nurturing. Um, same thing with a spear being turned mm -hmm. into a pr pruning hook. And the psalm also has all this beautiful language about turning to God in a world that's full of violence and those who would appear to want to yes. oppress and subjugate you and recognizing that by keeping ourselves focused on the kind of kingdom that God would have us build, then we can have a place of peace and we can dream of the mm. safety and peace that is part of God's kingdom. One of the great challenges and why I believe that Gaffney's work is so important for those of us in the Western world, particularly in the United States, is that understanding the actual cost of violence and subjugation is incredibly challenging for we live inside a privileged space. And again, as we discussed last week, those who bear the greatest brunt of the cost of that are the marginalized yes. and the silenced. And what the Isaiah reading and the Psalm reading give us a chance to see is that they were written by those <laughs> who sat on the wrong side of that equation. Yeah. And so they, can, they must dream of something different. And in their voices, we hear the voice of God. These uh, characteristics, I think there's another interesting element of what we culturally and even in the church and in a number of our readings see, these characteristics of peace are often associated with the feminine. Mm -hmm. You know, the softer, gentle, gentle right? nurturing. Yes, please, go on. Oh, yes. I mean, this is classic men are strong and women are weak and peace is weak you right. know war is strong 
right. force, violence. And I have nothing against people who do, you know, fight for their country. I'm sure that they are strong. I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of courage and bravery required. But there is a lot of courage and a lot of bravery in saying no to that and in putting down weapons right. and in seeking a new path. Um, and, and when we have made it distinctively feminine, I think it discredits how hard peace is. Yeah, and I think it's another example of a, a thing where those who have the power to dole out responsibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This just sort of, you know, maybe there's a bit of original sin in here to use your, the traditional language of yeah. the church. And that would be its own episode. We might have all kinds <laughs> of them in the summer to dig in there. That we pass on the work we don't want to do onto others. Absolutely. So, so, you know, the church has been dominated by male voices and voices of privilege. And so we've passed on these characteristics that we imagine are important, but we don't know. We don't even really want to act out. And we've given them to those who don't really have the tools, the capacity, or we haven't even given yeah. them the leverage to make them happen. So peace is an example of this. And, I, and another a way that that needs to be incorporated more into the work of all of us, into this reign of the world we would build together, what we're being initiated into in our mm -hmm. baptism. I think about the example in the United States history of the suffragette movement. Yes. <laughs> and how one of the arguments in favor of the movement was that they weren't wrong in naming some of this, but then the execution shows us how challenging it is when we imagine this is the responsibility of one set of people and not yeah, another, yeah. which is that one of the wonderful things that they'd like to imagine, I, if it worked this way, I'd have been thrilled by having the vote extended to both women as well as men is that that would the softer heart the more gentle, the gentle approach the, the the internal natural nourishing aspect of women would lead to an end of war would lead to an end of poverty, poverty. yeah right <laughs> charity naturally people would be been more inclined to charity yeah. within the political sphere if women can vote and yet, since women have received the vote, <laughs> the world has seen oh, its most... I wish that would have been great. <laughs> ...has seen and said more, again, of the same things the world is already... Serious violence. ...good at. Yeah, destruction, poverty, mm -hmm. marginalization, oppression. Mm -hmm. It Yes, yes. I think another powerful example of expecting the oppressed or the marginalized group to do the work is seen in the civil rights movement, which right. this this Sunday, these readings line up with the Sunday closest to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Day. And that's this Sunday. We will actually hear part of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech as part of what we'll do yes. in the church. And what you see in the civil rights movement is this peaceful protest which is remarkable when you think about it. Very. And yet it's the oppressed. It is the people of color. It is those who are being discriminated against, the segregated, who are expected to 
build this peaceful thing. Not the ones with power and authority and money and voices. Um, and so once again, we have expected that a group that we as a society did not care about should do this work. Right. That's how little society is invested in peace. Right. Um, and it's truly a place of privilege to expect someone else to work towards peace. In our gospel lesson, to build on what you're saying, mm -hmm. we're all most familiar with this wonderful figure of Joe, uh, sorry, John the Baptist, you know, the wild man out in the desert. Yeah. You know, with his camel hair. Spouting off with his camel hair and the crowds have gathered. And then, you know, then we get focused very quickly after that on sort of the end of the text where we've got Jesus going into the water and the heavens being torn asunder and the, mm -hmm. and the dove coming down. And well, we should. But in between, John reminds them that God could raise up from these very stones <laughs> children <laughs> that God would love as much as the children of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And I see in that that John and the prophets of God are trying to remind us that those children of Abraham also lived by a world of violence yes. and oppression. Yes. And that their pride they take in this heritage is of no value to God. So flawed. Yeah. God does not have time for our just incessant need to be violent. <laughs> and of course, if you want real strength, real courage, <laughs> a real sense of commitment and what it takes to be profoundly powerful, you need look no further than the life of Jesus Christ, mm. who carries no sword, who stands with the voiceless, and who insists that if violence will be done, it will not be done by himself or his followers. Can we, as the baptized, continue to bring into the world a reign of a kingdom of peace. And can we not only with our lips, but in our lives, join the voices of those who have cried out, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. With God's help, I will. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Amplified Word. To learn more about the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney and our year-long formation programs, Women of the Word, we invite you to visit our parish website, DaytonChristEpiscopal.com. <laughs>